Today we'll be uh, continuing our series of preachers, uh, Believe, a uh, 10-week series on the foundations of Christian belief and what we believe as a church. Um, special welcome to our guests from Alpha. It's amazing to have you guys here. Um, Gavin mentioned something about Father's Day. Uh, it, it is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day. Um, some of us, as Gavin said, might have different experience uh, with our earthly fathers. Some of us might have never met our uh, earthly fathers. Uh, some might have n not a good relationship with our fathers. But I had a great relationship with my earthly father. Um, he was loving, amazing. He was a great dad. I learned quite a lot from him. Uh, and he always used to say that I would give up everything for you. I would give everything and anything for you. I would even give my life for you. And I believed him. He would actually do it. Um, he's passed away um, now, uh, but he did actually give quite a lot for me. And I'm grateful to God uh, for my earthly father. But even if he had given his life for me, it wouldn't have changed my eternity. It might have changed my, my situation here on earth, but it would never change my eternity. And now he's gone. But we have a heavenly father. A heavenly father who would give everything and in fact has given his son for you and I. And he will always be there and what he gives affects our eternity. Not only today, but our eternity. He has given his son for you and I so that we can spend eternity with him. So no matter your relationship with your earthly father, if you ever did have a relationship, or not, whether he was a great guy or not, you have a heavenly father. If you already know him, amazing. If you don't, he's calling for you. He has given his son, Jesus Christ, for you so that you can come and be united with the father, so that you can go before him knowing that he will accept you. His arms are open. So I want to encourage you, don't miss this opportunity. The father, the king of kings, is calling you. Um, Today, I'll be speaking about the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes uh, when you talk about um, a person, uh, if it's a famous person, then you have quite a lot to say about them because they're famous and there's lots of things in the media. If you're introducing somebody famous, then you take pride in it. If you ever sh shook hand with somebody who was famous, then you'll tell everybody about it. Uh, but today, I want to introduce you to the most famous person to somebody that is actually a great honor to be able to talk about, and it's the person of the Holy Spirit. If you were here the first week where Raj spoke uh, on Trinity, then you know that the Holy Spirit is our God, God the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is our guide. Holy Spirit is a person, so don't refer to him as it. Holy Spirit is a person. And I'm going to use uh, uh, the scripture uh, to introduce this great person of God to you. Uh, I'm going to use uh, the book of Acts, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 8. I'll be reading it, and the words will also be on the screen. So it's Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. In the first book, Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father had fixed, has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amen. Um, to um, help me uh, uh, with this uh, sermon, I've got uh, four points on the work of the Spirit. When I was speaking in the Iraqi meeting, uh, uh, halfway through my sermon, uh, I was saying, oh, and you know, back home in England, uh, we use points for our preach, and then there's normally three points where you have uh, at the beginning of your preach, and they were all saying, oh, come on, you're joking. And I said, no, actually, that's how it works there. This is how it, how it works. They said, oh, come on, tell us some of the stories you use over there. I said, no, this is how it works. They didn't believe me at the end. So they said, oh, you must tell us some of the stories you use in, in England. And so I had to make up some stories. No, I didn't. <laughs> so um, I've actually got some points now, so I have to get back to the English mode. Um, baptism in spirit is a controversial matter. Baptism in spirit is actually where uh, most of the churches divide over. It's vital to have a good understanding of baptism of spirit. Uh, some of the churches argue about it. Uh, and perhaps this is the only time I would say I'm a Christian and I believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit. Other than this, I wouldn't call myself a Christian and I this and I'm that. I wouldn't try to categorize myself. I'm a Christian, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is probably the only moment I would say I'm Christian and I believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm Christian and I believe that the Holy Spirit works today. So it's really important to have an understanding of it. Um, there are different views on baptism of the Spirit. There are different churches that have different views and different opinions. Some people, uh, some churches say that when you get saved, you get everything. When you get saved, when you first believe in Jesus Christ, you have everything, and then that's it, and you don't need anything further, because you've got it all, and it's all fine. Some churches say you become a Christian, and gradually you receive the Spirit. So as you go by, you receive more of the Holy Spirit, then you get to a point of crisis, and you don't know what to do, then you realize that it's like a cup that's half empty, you'll have to empty the other half for, for more of the Spirit to come. And if you do it, you'll get more of the Holy Spirit. And then there are some other uh, churches that believe when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you immediately speak, uh, speak in tongues. Um, I don't quite agree with any of the three. <laughs> Sometimes it's good uh, to start with what not to do. Um, so you don't automatically receive everything at the moment of conversion. You don't gradually receive the Spirit. Yes, of course, as you grow in your faith, you grow in grace, and you grow in your love for God. And also, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you don't necessarily speak in tongues, although it's one of the most common signs, but speaking in tongues isn't the only, the only uh, sign that uh, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do anyway? So now, 
let's say, yes, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What does He do uh, when He comes? One of the works of the Spirit is that He convicts us. The Holy Spirit convicts. And we read in John 16, 8, and when He comes, is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of our sin. And if you say that you have no sin, <laughs> then you're actually telling a lie, so you're a sinner. If you say that you have no sin, you're going against the Bible. And the Bible is the final authority to us as Christians. And the Bible says that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Holy Spirit comes and shows us that we're away from the Father that because of our darkness, because of the darkness in our lives, because of the sin, we're away. But then what he doesn't do is that he just doesn't leave us there. The Holy Spirit just doesn't leave us with showing, pointing at us what we've done wrong and just leaving us. He helps us. He points us to the right direction. And the feeling of conviction is more than a, uh, it's, it's just more than a feeling of being guilty, more than a feeling that you're guilty. Uh, you, you've done something wrong. It's, it's greater than that. He just doesn't point finger at our darkness. We've probably experienced similar thing when we were younger at school. Oh, you've done this wrong. And then, okay, what do I do to put it right? I don't know. And you still probably experience it from your wives. You've done this wrong. And, I don't quite know what to do to put it right. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit comes and shows us the darkness of sin, but He also makes us aware of our need for righteousness. The Holy Spirit tells us that we need to be, be righteous if we want to go before God. But then He also tells us that it can't be with our own doing. No matter what you've done to, put, to get right with God, to put it right with God, the Holy Spirit tells us that we need the righteousness that Jesus has. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus because you know one of the other things that he does is to glorify Jesus Christ. So he points us to the direction of the cross where Jesus was crucified, where his blood was shed. So do you know Jesus? The Jesus that was crucified? Because many people try to introduce him in many different ways. But do you know him? Do you know him as Jesus crucified? Do you know God, the Son of God on the cross? If you don't, you need the Holy Spirit to help you to see him. You need the Spirit of the living God to point you there. We can tell you all about him, but unless the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you in your heart that you need Jesus Christ for your eternity, you need Jesus Christ in your life now, then it's not going to work. <laughs> because it's only by the power of the Spirit that you can confess that Jesus Christ is God. The Holy Spirit will come and show you this bigger picture. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you don't believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you, please allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Invite Him now. As you are sat, wherever you are, ask Him to come and show you in your heart that you need Jesus because without him, how can you carry on? I came to Christ when I was 14 or 15. And you know what? When I look back, 
to that 15 years without Jesus in my life, I always think, how was I able to reach that point? How did I ever get there? How was I able to survive? And you know, life even got more difficult after I came to Christ uh, because of my faith. But that, that doesn't mean anything because I have God on my side. And when we have God with us, who can be against us? So if you don't believe in Him, can I ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to come and show you your need for Jesus. This Jesus who loves you, this Jesus who came and gave his life for you. Jesus promised and he fulfilled it. Do you want to know him today? In Acts uh, chapter 16, we read about the Philippian jailer. Um, he's convicted because the apostles are in, uh, in prison and then They've been beaten beforehand. They're chucked in the prison. The doors are locked. And then they stand up singing, praising God with, the, with hands uh, in chains, with shackles around their feet, praising God. And then suddenly God breaks the chains and opens the prison door. And then his soldiers and the jailer, they come together and they want to kill themselves because they think that the, uh, the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, have run away. And then the apostles tell them, oh, no, no, stop. Don't do this. We're still here. Yes, the chains have been broken. The door has been opened. We're still here. We haven't walked out. So don't do it. And what's the response? <laughs> the jailer comes, bows down, and says, Sir, what must I do to be saved? It's only the conviction of the Holy Spirit for somebody to do that. Because the first thing he could have done was... To, Come on, guys, close the door. Let's put the chains around them again. But he saw, I mean, the greatest power on earth at the time couldn't hold the disciples of Jesus in, in jail. Where it was God's will, he would open any door for them. So this guy came, he knelt down and said, what should I do? <laughs> Are you at that point, if you're not a Christian yet? Are you at that point where you think, I need Jesus, and what do I do to receive him? <laughs> we can tell you what to do. Bow down before him, humble your heart, ask him to come and reveal himself to you, ask him to come into your life, ask him to take you into the family, adopt you into the family. He will forgive your sins if you believe in him. So that's the story of the jailer who was convicted by the power of the Spirit. But then Holy Spirit will also give us power. Look at the disciples of Jesus. You've probably heard many times that yes, the disciples were only simple fishermen, so I can only be a simple fisherman, and I'm just a simple fisherman, so I'm just going to carry on in my life as I was. Yes, the disciples of Jesus were ordinary people. Some of them were outcast, marginalized. Nobody else in the whole town wanted to talk to them. So they were kind of, oh, let's just not even worry about them. They're living ghosts. Hopefully one day they will either depart from our town They've just brought disgrace and shame on us, or they'll die somehow. So let's not worry about them. So when Jesus was talking about the power of the Spirit, you can tell the disciples who'd spent about three years with him, they weren't really interested. So Jesus is talking about the power of God coming, and wait here, don't go anywhere. The Spirit is going to come. You know, I told you about. And all they're asking is, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So they're on, a, they're on a different page. I mean, come on. You've spent three years with Jesus, with God incarnate on earth, and he's telling you about something great, and all you're concerned about is what you have in mind. 
So Holy Spirit comes and changes and shapes our minds. Now it's crazy to be trying to get people from different nations and backgrounds together and wanting to carry on for God. Yeah, the world would say it's crazy. Why don't you just get into your little groups? Why don't you just go Eritreans with Eritreans, Iranians and English based on your class, middle class and working class? Why don't you do it that way? It's a lot easier. Yeah, because that's what the world says. I mean, the world says, why a South African man would worry about having a barbecue? Come on. Of course, they're great at barbecues. And if you're a man and can get along, go to it. The world would say, oh, don't worry about it. Just get along with your family and have time with them, spend time with them. And only invite people that you know and invite people that are like you. So this is what the world says. The Holy Spirit does something different. The Holy Spirit does this. So he gets people together, people that otherwise wouldn't be friends. I mean, where on earth would you want to spend time with me if, if we weren't both in Christ? Would you really want to spend time with me? Would you really want to sit down and listen to me? Would you really, I mean, even worry about me if I was walking in the streets? Would you even think about saying, oh, this guy, I think I know him? No, you wouldn't. But it's because Jesus is at work in your life. You not only want to come and be part of this family, you're also concerned about the people outside here. And that's what I love about Jubilee. We care for one another, but it's not just like in our little spheres. It's not just like caring for one another, cuddling one another. It's the world outside that we worry about. We're concerned for the streets of Teesside. We're concerned for Gresham. We're concerned for the world around us. We're concerned about the nations, about Turkey, about Iraqis, Iranians. Because we want the love of God for them. We want them to hear about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for them. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And the disciples who'd spent three years with Jesus, walking with him, eating with him, going all around the town, seeing miracles and going up and down, come to him and say, mm, when is it actually that you're going to do the proper job? Because they think he hasn't done it properly, so they'll have to remind him again. We did tell you before you die on the cross, you know. We did tell you if you do this, you'll die. If you say these sort of things, you'll die. Come on, just give us a few swords. Give us the power that we need, the muscles, and then we can go and fight and restore the kingdom. But Jesus had something else in mind. He's God. His plans are the right plans. And then he's crucified, buried, resurrected. He's spending time with them, and they're still concerned about restoring the kingdom their way. Jesus tells them, you know what, you're not going to move from here until you receive what I've told you about. You're not going to move from this place until you receive what I have for you. Because Jesus knew them. I mean, this Peter. <laughs> he denied him three times. As Jesus had prophesied. And then Jesus knows that without the Holy Spirit, Peter would do the same thing, even though he's seen Jesus resurrected. So the Holy Spirit gives us power. Have you denied Jesus before? All you need to do is go to him, repent, and say, I need you, and I need your presence in my life, because I tried it with my own power, and you know what? All I had to do was to say, I don't really want Jesus, and I don't really know him, and he's not the Son of God. But with the power of spirit, if you're in jail, if you have chains around you, you will lift up your hands and you will worship God. With the power of the spirit, Peter 
who didn't have any courage, Peter, who denied Jesus, stood up and gave one of the best sermons in the whole world, telling people around him of what God has done and what they have done to Jesus and their need for Jesus. We all need to hear the same thing. Our wrongdoings, what God has done to put it right, and our need for our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, receive him today, because you need him. So the Holy Spirit gives power. And he gives courage. He gives us the power to grasp what he has for us. Uh, the courage is really important because sometimes, as Christians, we lack courage. Have you ever been in a situation where you're itching to talk about Jesus, where you're itching to say, come on, let me pray for you. You're sick, you're not feeling well. Let me pray for you in Jesus' name. You're itching to do it, but you can't because you just know that if you're not so sure. You step out, and then you're not so sure how it would all go. Ask the Holy Spirit to do it for you. We were at the... Um, refugee week, open day for open door, um, and then lots of people uh, came, and it was amazing, and then this uh, older lady came to me, I've known him, uh, because she was one of our clients, I've known her, and then she came to me, and, uh, and I went to her and said, hello mama, how are you? And she said, yeah, I'm okay, my son. So we had just a, a bit of conversation, and she said, oh, I'm not feeling well. I've got this on my face. So she had some kind of wound. And I've got this on my face, and I'm not feeling so well. And it's really bothering me and disturbing me. And then Mavis joined us at that point, And I thought, uh-oh, it's not a real God. I thought you had everything in control. She came and spoke to her and said, hello, Mama, are you well? And then I said, no, she's not well. Let's pray for you. Let's, let, let us pray for you, because Jesus heals. Let us pray for you. You think it's nothing important, or it's, not, it's, it's just minor. But let us pray for you, because there is power in Jesus' name. And I was thinking, oh, God, it, it could, it, it, I, only when I thought it couldn't get worse. So Mavish came and offered to pray uh, for this lady. So it's amazing. Uh, and I always admire her courage. Uh, sometimes it's a bit too much, but... <laughs> If you lack courage, if you lack courage, ask the Holy Spirit. Hang around the people who are full of the presence of God. If you lack courage, ask God himself to come and fill you with his presence. If you lack courage to speak about God, ask him to give you words. You know what? All you need to do is ask because Jesus said that he will even give you words to speak. So what else do we need? What a privilege to have the presence of God in us. The Bible says we are the temples of the Spirit. I know what I'm working on it. The more the temple, the more the spirit. So I have a bigger temple now. But we are the temples of the spirit. We carry the presence of God with us. So if you lack the presence of God, ask him, and he will pour out his presence on you. Ask him, and he will give it to you. I was hoping we could have some time to, to pray for one another because we're uh, running out of time. But one of the other things that this, the Holy Spirit does is that he guides us. The Holy Spirit is the best guide ever. You know, when you trust your sat-nav and he takes you to the ends of the earth by mistake, the Holy Spirit guides you and he takes you to the end of the earth, going before you, preparing things for you. The Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. You can feel his leadership. The Holy Spirit comforts us. If you can't feel the presence of God moving before you, don't move. Just like Moses said, if you don't go before me, I'm not going to move. No, because he was scared. 
And I would be scared if I tried to go somewhere knowing that the presence of God is not going before me. I would not go. Seek his guidance and leadership all the time in your life. Ask him to go before you. Because Jesus himself said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the earth. And the other thing that the Holy Spirit does, he glorifies Jesus. Just like Jesus said, I'm here to glorify my Father, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Whatever he does is for the sake of Jesus Christ. Whatever he does is to point to Jesus and say, look, bow down to him, worship him, give him all the honor and glory. That's what Holy Spirit does. How can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's a really tricky question. How can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? You need to have some qualifications. I'm serious. The qualification is believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know what? The world puts some expectations on us. You must do this and that and this and that, and you must go into a position like this to receive the presence of God. No. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Then the promise is to you. You can be filled with the presence of God. Do you want the Holy Spirit? Then come and bow down before Jesus Christ and ask him to pour out his presence and spirit on you. Now, I was in, the, in a Chinese takeaway a few years ago ordering some Chinese, and then these two young guys came in, and they were having a discussion about ghosts. And one of them came to me and said, all right, mate, do you believe in ghosts? And I said, what if I tell you no? Then he said, then I know you're a rational person. You, you, your mind is in the right place. And I said, be prepared to see the craziest person in your life ever, the most irrational person. And he was just looking at me thinking, uh, did I not understand the question rightly? I said, I believe in them, and I believe in one that is holy, and his name is Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So the guy was looking at me like, <laughs> I'm from another planet. Uh, so they just left. <laughs> so... Yes, we do believe in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. And do you want that? If you're thirsty, Jesus says, come to me, not me, come to Jesus. So all we can do here is point you to the right place. Do you want some of the presence of God? Come to Jesus. Are you thirsty? Come before him and ask Jesus to give you his presence. Are you thirsty for him? Then come before him. I could ask the band to come up, please. We're running a bit late this morning, but I guess you anticipate that when I'm preaching. So are you thirsty? If you are, then come before the King of Kings. The ministry team, if I could ask you to be ready as we pray for people. When Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, the disciples could understand him because of their background. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we might not understand the Holy Spirit because of our background, but the Holy Spirit himself will come and make himself known to us. Do you actually realize your need for Jesus Christ? If you do, this is the perfect place for you to come before him and say, Jesus, I need you. And you know what? He will come, no strings attached. He will come and become your best friend. He will come and become your all in all. With him, you don't need anything else. With Jesus, you have everything. Seek his kingdom. If you don't believe in him, 
I want to encourage you to humble your hearts before him and say, Jesus, I realize my need for you and I want you in my life. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then go before Jesus and ask him to fill you. We can pray for you and we would love to do that. If you feel that you've not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but you believe in Jesus, then come and let us pray for you. All it takes is asking him. So, if you want to be prayed for, can I ask you to come forward now as we go into worship, as we're singing songs, and the ministry team, please come and pray for people. Don't let your expectations, your own expectations get in the way. Let God deal with things. So if I could ask you all to stand up, please. And if you'd like to be prayed for, please do come forward now.